Hi and welcome to Making Sense of It. This is podcast number eight. It is number eight. It's exciting, <laughs> isn't it? It is exciting. We're getting them out on time. Yeah, We're not finding rocks. things difficult to talk about. No. We've not managed to get any guests yet, but no. the weather's terrible. Yeah, I blame so the weather, blame the snow. No way we could have got anyone today, so it's got nothing to do with the fact that we're not trying. It's just that the elements are against us. Storm Emma is upon us. It's about time they named a storm after you. What, are you saying that I'm like a whirling dervish? A whirling dervish? No. More <laughs> like a, what does he call it? That, um... Tasmanian devil. That's the one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Like this, or the no. Captain Caveman. Yeah, or Captain Caveman. Captain They were so weird. You know what? Wasn't it strange that the fact that there was this Captain Caveman, but then he was surrounded by beautiful cartoon females. Yeah. Ugh, it's so annoying. I used to get excited when all the Hanna-Barbera um, cartoons sort of amalgamated and became what, like one cartoon. Sometimes it'd happen. You'd have them. I think, is it... The, Pink Panther would turn up. Is he Hanna-Barbera? Yes. Yeah. And then you'd have the um, Wacky Races. I used to love the Wacky Races. Like, Penelope catch Pitstop. the pigeon. Catch the pigeon. Penelope Pitstop was yeah. awesome, wasn't she? How does the dog do it? I don't know how the dog like, does like it. Like or something, didn't it? When me and Pete first got together, the first night that we were... Actually, the first night that we hung out at all, wasn't it? That was the first night we ever... Hung out when you did your Elvis. Oh, my Elvis and Scooby Doo. Um, Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Yeah. yeah. So that was one of our mating rituals. Yeah. You could argue so, it was your peacocking, showing me your super skills. Well, showing my super skills of amalgamating two characters. Elvis together. and Elvis. Shaggy from well, Scooby Doo. And also, you also tried to. I got this from a friend of mine actually called Sai. Oh, and it was, yeah, Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy, Elvis. And Shaggy from Scooby Doo. So Shaggy from Scooby Doo is like, oh, I can't do it now. I've got to be able to do it. <laughs> hey, what are you going to do, Scoob? And then, Scoob, hey, so what are you going to do, Scoob? <laughs> so what are you going to do, Scoob? And then you'd have Elvis though. And then you'd have Lowell. You see, if you're not watching this, you won't be able to see the effect, you see, because this is what it is. And you've got it's the like Lowell. they're in the room. And then the Lowell and Hardy is there. <laughs> so you've got to do all three of them together. First of all, you've got to do the. So what are you going to do, school? Which is like the Elvis, but then you've got to do the <laughs> Lauren Addy at the same time, so all three, so it's like, so what are you going to do, school? Anyway, that's my... Uh, <laughs> so what are you going to do, school? I think my, my shaggy thing's pretty good. So what are you going to do, school? <laughs> do we disturb yeah, no, you? Yeah, really. We started the podcast. podcast. <laughs> Totally not making sense of it, but I get I don't know. You are kind of making sense of it. There was a full explanation with it. It's like a Cockney Australian, isn't it? You know, if you do the Cockney and the Australian accent, sometimes with me it blends into the same. So you're like, all right, mate, you're all right. And then you've got Australian, which is like, g'day, g'day, mate. G'day, g'day, g'day. And then it's like, all right, mate, guys, shout out to Shrimp and the Barbie, mate. Up and, I don't know. Me anyway. and Pete have on many occasions been in the car and had accent competitions, which inevitably I win all of them. Because as you just noted, I'm not Pete very good. isn't very good at accents See, at in all. my head though. You were quite good at the shaggy. 
Oh, okay, it keeps we going. don't need it again and <laughs> again. I like to say, though, is so what you're going to do, Scoobs? Yeah, well, that's else. more than I can say in that way, so it's okay. Yeah. The weather is awful, though. On a serious note, the weather is awful. Yeah. We are filming this in advance, so we. Uh, it is today, as we've said, the beasts from the east. Mm. What must it be like in Russia all the time, though? Like, I mean, this is Russia. Imagine this is the kind of remnants of what was... Yeah. The Russian I think experience of snow. Literally, I bet you can't even get out of your door. I think it even snows behind closed doors in Russia. Honestly, it's horrendous. Yeah. It's that cold, but it's snowing. Like I love, I, I like the way it looks, but I just don't like the way that the world stops when it snows. Yesterday, I was coming back from this morning, and it was such a relief to see the Virgin trains were running because genuinely, you know, as it is, Pete's mm. like my bad luck omen when I go with him travelling because whenever we're in London together inevitably something goes wrong and Virgin Trains either just stop running from Euston and literally mean that it takes us seven hours to get home or we have to wait on that concourse for what can only be described oh. as minutes of hours of years in that time. It's awful. It's like you just stare at the board, don't you? People who, people My who, neck. Yeah. My neck is agony. People who travel from Euston to wherever they're going will totally empathise with that. You just stand and you stare at the board and you Praying. will it. You will it's changed to move on to tell you the platform it's the platform that's the worst it's the platform and the key is that you're not looking to just get what that platform is you're looking so that you can start running because yeah. you know that people who are getting on that London to Manchester train yeah. they are fast runners and they know the score and mm. I feel sorry for people who might not often go to Manchester and find themselves on the platform imagining that there may be some order to people going for that said train yeah but it's chaos. It is chaos. It's absolute chaos. It's every man, woman and child for themselves. Literally, you see mothers leaving their children yeah. on the platform going, get your own seat, mate. Yeah. I'm getting this one. Literally every time. And you know what? Every time I get a seat. Yeah. Bar the one time. <coughs> we had to go to King's Cross. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, but the thing is, me and you, when we're on a train and everything is just grey and horrible and everybody's like just been travelling for hours and days and everyone's like... You can always count on me and M <laughs> to liven things up. Guarantee we will stand up and we will do a two-man show <laughs> and get everybody happy again. I sat on the floor, though. I just was like, I'm just sitting on the floor. Because yeah. what happened was we got to Euston. Unfortunately, as happens sometimes, somebody who was very sad had ended their life on the tracks, which understandably becomes a crime scene, and rightly so. And so you can't be annoyed. Yeah, this is why you've got to not be annoyed. This you is can't be annoyed, because to... you just know that somebody else has had a far worse day, and somebody's going to get that knock on the door about their family, and, you know, at the end of the day, don't moan about it. It's just your day in being inconvenienced. It's as simple as that. But we were stood wary for about an hour, and we're like, look, and it's getting really crowded, and everything's cancelled. Every single train is cancelled. And then there's this, like, older lady, probably about 17 next to us, yeah, isn't reckon, she? Yeah, yeah. And she kind of looks at us with those kind of pleading eyes and goes, what do you think we need to do? And we were like, I think we need to go over to King's Cross because essentially nothing is moving. So we essentially escorted this woman, didn't we? We took her with us. Yeah. We got her all the way back to Manchester. We adopted her. We adopted her for the entire journey. But she was kind of one of those people who read into things like superstitions quite a lot. So I made this frivolous, flippant comment about the fact that Pete is a bad omen. If I go travelling with Pete, every time, inevitably, the trains will not run. And yeah. she kind of 
responded to the fact, did I mean that? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all the time. Every time he comes, it's terrible. We got back to Manchester, didn't we? Do you remember we walked her across from Victoria because she'd never been. We walked her across. We left. Yeah, we kind of managed to get on the slowest train in the world. Oh, yeah. Let's get on the train from Leeds to Manchester because we'd had to go all the way to Leeds, which stopped at stops that I think they invented well, they just up. for that journey. Yeah. It was. Old farms. It was unbelievable. Towns, mines. <laughs> no, you know, seriously. Just people just stood Nobody there. Nobody got on. It was just yeah. everyone was on the train to Manchester. But she was sat there, like, because finally she sat down there because we got her a seat and we'd been standing up. So it was a bit of a knackering trip. We get back to Manchester. We walk across town. Do you remember I went to her? Oh, are you coming back to Manchester at some point? She was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come and see my son just before Christmas. I was like, right, yeah. She went, yeah, fortunately, he won't be with us, will he? And I went, what day? And she went, the 22nd of December. And I went, yeah, we're travelling back that day. And, I, and she just Friday, went, it was she just went it, yeah. oh, no. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I don't really think yeah, it is that Pete ruins the trains. Ironically, that day, it was perfect. We it was perfect. We got back that day perfectly. It was amazing. Yeah. That sorry, was the... Sorry, again, the dogs are... The dogs are awake on this podcast. The cat's not wanting to be awake because he looks knackered, but... And the, Keeping it real. Yeah, the, re, the, the wrestling. To people who are listening, this is the chaos of our kitchen where we do yeah. the podcast. It's very comfortable for us to do it here, but it means that we're surrounded by our domestic animals. It is. I say domestic just in case any of you imagine that I have a lion, a tiger, yeah. an elephant, or a giraffe hanging around. Yeah, although this, this, this one's getting comfy on me. He's decided that I'm warm. I love cats. Yeah. I think that we have the most loving cats in the world. I think this one, I think uh, he's called Chase, this one, if you can see him. Oh, for those of but you who is, can't, he's a huge yeah. chocolate Abyssinian and he's absolutely gorgeous what and is really nickname? loving. What's his nickname? Brian. 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 Right, Bri. Right, Bri. So this week, what's been happening, Pete? What's been happening in your world? This week, what's been happening in my world? You know what? Working. <laughs> Been doing a lot of work. Um, not really, really. You know, when you get one of those weeks where you just, it's it's not mega exciting because like loads of things don't happen. Just because we're not saying yes to things yet. I know. This we is what we're gonna do. This is, we've talked about this in the last podcast, and it's like we need to start enriching ourselves. And there's no point in us just saying it. We've got to start doing it. Although the weather hasn't been helping. No, the weather's been terrible. You know. But so. the point is, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna start saying yes. So. We're going to try new things. And do you know what the beauty of that is? We can bore you with the details. Yes, all 15 listeners. We can 15, literally... No. I'm just hoping. It's blind optimism that we've got 15. You know, we've got a few, but 15 might be pushing it. Regulars. Yeah. But if they are, nonetheless, we are going to be saying yes to stuff. I don't know what it is. Pete's already told me that salsa dancing is isn't out, allowed out, because he has... Out painful painful memories of when he was married and when he and his ex were trying to make it work as you do when you're married they decided that they needed to do things together and she wanted him to go salsa dancing and pete now associates salsa dancing with negative feelings so if i do want to go and suddenly don some really interesting outfits and heavily tan myself and wear even more makeup than i do now it's out out of the question. It's off the board. Not happening. We're not saying yes to salsa dancing. Yeah. Nothing. Not saying that salsa dancing, you know, isn't... Well, Pete, I think know. people listening might think you have a prejudice towards salsa dancing. Not any salsa dancing. Gets right on my nerves. Mm. Why didn't you want to do salsa dancing? Because it was there. <laughs> was that just it? Really? Yeah. 
Oh, well, I ain't salsa dancing, it'll be all right. It's you that makes the joke of salsa dancing, anyway. You told me that you would never go salsa dancing with me. I didn't ever introduce that. You were like, listen, <laughs> there's one thing that I will never do, and it's salsa dancing. That's what you said. Mind you, you said that about going to church, and then you came to church to me when I needed to get the kids in the church school. You did that, and... Oh, you do it, aren't you? You also said you were never, ever going to give up meat, and then you gave up meat. Oh, that's an interesting story, isn't it? It is an interesting story. Epiphanies, moments of transition and change, moments where life turns on its axis and you go from thinking that you know yourself to realising that there is a whole new dimension. For some of us, it could be a pilgrimage somewhere, particularly if you come from the religion of Islam. It could be going out somewhere into the wild and having time alone to reconfigure, recon, what can I think about the word? Reconfigure. Reconfigure. Yeah, reconfigure Re your brain. Yeah, all of that. Reevaluate. Yeah. Reevaluate. Rewire yourself. All of that. Or it could be a trip to an urban farm involving a duck. Yes. I thought I'd never give up meat. And I, you know what now? I can't even believe I used to eat it. I can't believe that my You need to tell soul, the story. I need to tell the story. Yes, I do. I need to tell the story. You need to tell the story about the duck because it's pretty yeah. impressive. So I never thought I'd give up meat, as I said. Uh, I used to train a lot. I still train now. I still work out. Um, but I went through a period of real hardcore training. You did. And uh, meat and fish were a huge part of that because I never really used to research. I used to eat vegetables all the time. I was massively eating the vegetables. And to be fair, meat was just an addition really to all the vegetables I used to eat. So, you know, in hindsight. But yeah, we so we went to a Ducky Park Farm, it was called. That's the one. In the Lake District. Ducky Park Farm. It's good memories of that, going with the children. And they used to have these animals that walk around, you know, there's some like uh, locked up and stuff, which I'm not really a fan of, but there was, there, there was some that would be kicking around, you know, and there was this duck, what sort of duck was it? It was a grand, grand canard. Grand canard. So, I know that because I used to keep ducks. Yes, that's a little extra addition to knowing about me. I had two ducks. They were my friends. They imprinted on me. They followed me everywhere, which is quite difficult when you're leading large groups of kids all across France. Don't imagine that what I'm saying is that they followed me all across France. That definitely didn't happen. But nonetheless, it was a very, very good three months of my life bringing up those ducks. And when I returned to that chateau, months and months and months later, they had grown into proper adult ducks and they had their own lake and it was amazing. Did they remember you? Um, Did they run up to you like those things? On no, because I'd kind of handed them over to somebody right. and they really remembered him. The, a guy called Chris took them on. Right. He was ace. He was I can a just see, guy. I just see like, you know, one of, those, one of those lion things on Facebook. Emma turns up at the chateau 15 years later and, and she walks up in slow motion and, and the, the ducks fly in yeah, slow fly motion. Down. Yeah. <laughs> fly right. down and like, land in front of them. That's right. One in each arm. Yeah. And no, the, that didn't happen. No, no, but they were beautiful. They were beautiful. Have you ever seen that guy that, that flies with geese? He raises them and then takes his micro light up with a camera and records them flying with them. They, and they make oh, them yeah, it's amazing. The, yeah, anyway, we're going off tangent now. Um, yeah, so Ducky Park Farm. And this Grand Canard was walking about. And as daft as it sounds, it came up to us and making all these noises, you know, and the boys and Emma knew, had seen this duck before because it had been before I'd been and started stroking it. 
and stuff. So I was like, oh God. No, I picked it up. You picked it up. That's the, yeah, you picked it up. And then it passed it to me. And I was like stroking it. And it was, and it was it just, it made, it made something click in me. And it was like, I can't believe that. It nestled under your arm. Yeah, and, and it was just going. making noises going round. And I was stroking its chin. And it was just enjoying it. And it was like. Totally sentient and wanting to be there. Yes, it was it. sentient. Sentient is such a good word. Yeah, and so like I put it down and I was just and it just clicked something in me. And then I was talking. But you to just him literally about turned it. around and went, "I can't eat me again. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe I've ever ate duck. I can't believe that I've it was, ever it was because done of the duck that. thing. It was because like, you know you have duck like shredded duck and you don't oh. really yeah. And it's like I don't know why it, it you know eating like lamb and chicken and pork and beef. And it just never registered with me, you know. And it was from living with a vegetarian for a bit, you know. It was just seeing you guys, and just the values that you had. And you've been vegetarian most of your life, so it was just. And I just, it just, yeah. It, I think it, all with that clicked with the duck, and then because I did see as well, didn't we? We saw like a, sh- a, a factory, like a death yeah. truck going off with some lambs and stuff, and screaming, with all of it together. And then the duck was the the, the sort of. The end thing, really, that made me think, you know, the final nail in the coffin of eating meat. And from that day onwards, I have never eaten meat ever again or fish. Oh, it's never appealed to you, though, either. No, as I say, it was just it was just an extra for me. Yeah. You know, um, the worry wasn't there about the protein because, what well, the myth, that, that whole huge myth, and there's lots of documentaries and stuff on it about people who eat meat, say, well, you need your protein for bodybuilding. No one has ever had a protein yeah, deficiency. In the world, though, who has ever heard of a protein deficiency? Unless you are living in yeah. unfortunate areas of famine, nobody goes to the doctors and goes, I've got a bit of a protein well, the deficiency. Mammals, the biggest mammals in the world. Are, Elephant. Uh, 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 vegan. Exactly. Herbivores. Exactly. Biggest dinosaurs. Biggest dinosaurs were, you know, the Diplodocus. You know, they were massive. And they never ate meat or fish. They were just veg- vegetarians. And you know you get your pro. We're just we're just middle kicking the, the middleman out of the way. Yeah, we you have know? loads of problems being vegetarians because when you're vegetarians and you make a conscious decision to bring your children up vegetarian, which is what I did. So I was vegan for a very long time, and then when I married my first husband, because I've had more than one, I realised that he ate meat at the time, and I didn't want meat in my life. So we made a decision that he could have cheese and milk. And with my first husband, because I was vegan, I really didn't feel like I could be with somebody who wasn't vegetarian, at least. And so he did become vegetarian. Ironically, he eats meat now. So he wasn't pure. He didn't change his ideals, but never mind. Which is terrible. Really. I think it's really weird when people do that. But whatever, loads of people return, don't they, sweet meat? And this is not against meat eaters. Whatever people want to do, it's up to them. But anyway... I kind of looked back and made a conscious decision to say, well, I'm buying soya milk and I'm throwing out milk. Because the dairy industry is horrible. Mm, I love soya milk. I really need to get outside of of eating any kind of animal products at all. And that will happen again. But for my kids at the moment, they do eat milk and drink milk and they do eat cheese. But when you're bringing up vegetarian children, particularly pure vegetarian children, when they've never, ever, ever had meat, you know, they've never touched it. They don't want to touch it. If they wanted to go out and eat Big Mac, I'd be disappointed, I won't lie, but they'd be completely entitled to do that and bringing up what I consider democratically, you know, observed parenting opportunities for them, which is that they know I can explore with them what they feel is important in their own life, even if I disagree with it. But for me it would be hard and hurtful if they did go and eat meat. 
but they just don't want to, do they? They have no. absolutely no desire oh, to. No. So I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of them because they understand why I have those points of view and they've kind of really bought into it. But inevitably, you will go to the health visitor or the even when you're talking about it from the position earlier on, when you're talking to like midwives and people who are helping you through your pregnancies. Listen, I've taken the voice to a consultant before and I've had the same... Yeah, you know. they will say to you, oh, the reason that you are not being healthy with your children is because they are vegetarian. And Terrible. every single time, you just want to slap them across the face. I do note that in our podcasts, I use violent language very often to describe scenarios. Yeah. I have never actually violent. slapped anybody across mm. the face. I hasten to add, but what I'm saying is the compulsion to do so yeah. exists. I'd, I mean, as I a man, I'd probably say more of a... Smash his face into the table. Type. That's right. Just get the head and smash it in. There Up you a do. movie, you know. Dumb. Yeah. So I never move past the desire into action, nor will I. I'm a very pacifistic individual. But nonetheless, it provokes that desire to set them on fire in my head. That kind of thing. Mm. And they constantly throw you those myths about why eating meat is healthy. Now, it's cool eat your lamb, eat your chicken, do what you like. Personally, I ask myself one question in life. Have I a right to kill? Yeah. And if I can answer yes and be cool with that, knock yourself out. To be honest, I don't think you're very brave if you're going into Sainsbury's and buying it in packets and not actually acknowledging that you're eating raw flesh of what was once a thriving animal. Mm -hmm. But again, it's completely up to you. Obviously, they're my perceptions. Well, and that's my, my opinion feeling. is if you're going to eat meat, at least go out and catch it. Well, I mean, people aren't going to do that. No. And actually, people don't have time. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well. We're not... I just want to say as well, <laughs> we've kind of... No disrespect, but to some <laughs> yeah. degree, could you imagine yeah. living in a situation where right now my mum and dad have to bob out, you know, not that they would. I'm just going to be a bit late, son. Yeah. Why is that, dad? Struggling well, to get the, the rabbits. Way, on the way home, I've just got to go out on my horseback with my spear. <laughs> That's go. the problem. The problem is we've evolved past that. Yeah. We don't, we've watched this when we see TV yeah, shows. Yeah, we've evolved past try. it. It's called battery chickens. And yeah. yeah. But then again, you can't on a political level say that people can't have battery chickens because that would mean that you're separating rich from poor. It's all very well if you can eat organic beef and organic yeah. eggs. Of course it is. That's really nice, but that is so up to the The industry is a bit messed up though, isn't it? It is, it is messed up. It is One messed sec. up. But that's my question. Like, in, how. Can I kill is my question, and my answer is no. That's yeah, it. I know. I can't kill. I don't want to be part of that process. The government put a bill through that said that animals are not sentient. They passed a bill that said recently, this is recently, that animals have no feelings. I, know. I absolutely couldn't believe it. If no. it isn't bad enough that the Tories are stealing, you know, stealing the rich, the, the, poor, the poor scenario to give to the rich and not the opposite around. They are also trying to convince people that animals have got no feelings whatsoever. Oh. Although that's a political debate. We don't need to bring that into here. No, we're not going to be, but we know We're it's, at a table. Uh, they say that politics are bad around a table. Yes, especially about the Tories. Yes, but anyway... The point is that we are vegetarian and now through that amazing epiphany, not necessarily in the most romantic of experiences and places, it changed your life, didn't it? It did change my life. I have literally, I see I'm 110 <laughs> years old, you see. No, uh, it literally, I've never felt healthier. 
my gut, my skin, just my health in general. Yeah. I rarely get cold. Yeah, it's mad. You know, it's... What you put in your body, what you put I, in your yeah, body. Yeah, I mean, I just find that uh, for, for anybody that has any issue... I mean, never had any, I never had issues in my stomach. I've never had IBS or anything like that. But I, I can tell the difference of when I used to eat meat and, and when I... I can tell the difference. Meat. Yeah, you know... Your flatulence is way uh, worse. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, way, way better than it used to be. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, literally, people think the vegetables make your, your wind... I get wind and it stinks and stuff, but it's not. It's the meat. It's the meat because it festers yeah. in your stomach. It sits there it and it takes a lot longer to break down, you know, and... When people have colonic irrigation, that's one of the things Whole lambs come out. <laughs> literally give birth yeah. to calves. Potato skins, potato skins, whole cow, <laughs> lamb. I'm quite into the idea of having colonic one day. Yeah, yeah. But then I just can't get past that moment of having to go in and have somebody put something on my bum. And I'll tell you why, because on a few occasions, as lots of women, men my age, will have experienced, you know, things don't feel right down there. And at a certain age, you think, well, go and get investigated. And I've swallowed a camera, done that without anesthetic. Thanks, Mum. My mum's, if you've listened to this before, <laughs> anybody who's listened to this before, right? My mum is the least sympathetic person when you're ill. Unbelievably symp- unsympathetic. And now she's proved us all right that she has the attitude of like pete says a trojan because she had heart surgery and was just like out a few days later yeah. it was back to normal basically just carrying on as normal massive open heart surgery but hey it's k it's k just let's get on with it so um anyway bringing it back to what i was talking about <laughs> when um actually i forgot what i was talking about what the uh your colonic no it wasn't it's all right, I've remembered again. What was it? That wasn't active living. Pete, that was not active listening. It was active listening. Colonic was pre. That was pre the K. Pre the K. So I got onto K. Yeah. And why had I got onto K? Because K said to me, when I got the endoscopy appointment, Oh, yeah, that's Ah, oh, don't worry about the anesthetic. That was a quick forget. That was like, that was like... Yeah, but it... Worryingly forgot. forgetful. I still, I still forgot. <laughs> anyway, so K says to me, my mum says to me, Oh, Emma, don't worry about it. I've had it done. Now, at that point, I should have thought, probably not the best person to advise you on whether you should have an anaesthetic or not. Because my mum literally would stay awake if she could during an operation so she could potentially direct the people doing it or at least have a general chat. That's my mum. So I went that day. And when I reflect on the nurse's face, it's funny. I got... There. there was a big group of people, as is the NHS, all waiting for the day cases. And I get called into this little side office and the nurse goes, after she's taken my questions and done whatever she did, she went, um, who's with you to drive you home? And I said, I'm driving myself home. She went, oh no, you can't. She said, it's a minimum of five hours. You know, you've got, it's going to be really kind of sedated. And I went, oh no, I'm not having sedation. She went, right, you're not having sedation. And I went, no. She went, well, you can come in now then. <laughs> and it was clearly like, number one, I've just downtime the amount of people because yeah. I'm going straight in. I get in, the doctor's like smiling, he's thrilled that I'm not having sedation. And then they get out what can only be described as what looked like a gas mask tube, which I had to swallow. And they basically spray this spray in the back of your throat, which does numb your throat. Yeah. And then you swallow it and it kind of goes down and then they get the camera and stuff. And I'll be honest with you, I'm dead glad I didn't Did have- you puke? No, it was fine. 
Oh. I didn't have the sedation. I'm glad I didn't have the sedation. And it was great because they were very nice to me and they could chat to me and my mum was right. But the point was that it wasn't just like she suggested, oh, it's a breeze. It wasn't a breeze. A breeze is maybe um, having to swallow a small pill. That's a breeze. Mm. A breeze even more so might be drinking some liquid that doesn't taste very nice, but it's over in a moment. A breeze is not basically getting a pipe that you would literally fit to your sink and swallowing it. That's not a breeze. So you'd be like... Like well, no, they just you, they just make you swallow it. It's anybody who's had one will understand what I mean. But anyway, I've completely gone off the point. But the point was that don't listen to Kay. If you know yeah, anybody no. who re- vaguely reminds you of my mum, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Simple as. <laughs> anyway, colonic. That was the thing. Yes, I have been about- to doctors and I have had those things done below, and it's really awkward yeah. because just about everything was fine. So <laughs> everything was fine. But when I've gone in for the, the other end, I've never had a colonoscopy, nor do I wish one. No. I just, I'm one of those it who would really struggle very, with yeah. that. But I have had back passage rectal examinations. <laughs> Honestly, right? back passage rectal examinations. And it's awful. Because you go in and you're like, hi, doctor, you know, your GP. Yeah. And you'll be like, uh, things aren't like, okay, down below. I don't know what's going on. What can I... A lot of pregnant women and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, when you've had pregnancies, that's how it goes. And you kind of have this really grown-up chat with the doctor, and then they'll be like, oh, just get a nurse. And usually it's been a man as well, so it's a bloke. So you're just trying to be, like, really okay. And then they bring a nurse in, because the nurse has to be present, because, obviously, they've got to protect themselves these days. And and then they examine you, and it's the fact that you have to normalise it. Because what you really want to go is, oh, my God, I'm deeply embarrassed by this situation. Yeah. I'm feeling really uncomfortable. You're going to put your fingers in the bum. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I feel yeah. really, really disconcerted by this. Are you feeling as weird about this as I? Yeah. And he could go, yeah, I'm feeling pretty weird about the fact that you I'm internally... You know does it? You know, no, several times a day. There's no way. There's no way you ever get used to it. No, you won't. No way. No way as a GP that you ever get used to that. No. And then you have to like see them again and you're looking at them and you're thinking, you've seen things that a lot of people would never see in my world that are much closer to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why you've got to trust your doctor. You <laughs> is that know? the moral of the story? That's <laughs> Pete. The moral of the story is... <laughs> trust your doctor. Trust your doctor. Because he might accidentally leave, he might accidentally leave a pen there or his notepad, you know. And that'd be, that'd be, you know, you'd be going to the toilet and you'd be like, who is these notes? <laughs> I've got literally no idea what you're talking about now. Well, while he's down there, he might forget things and drop something on you. You're suggesting that my general practitioner may, whilst examining me, just somehow insert a whole notepad. One, one worryingly (laughs) that I wouldn't notice, which for any of the listeners, I just want a disclaimer here. I would totally notice if somebody had put a notepad in my bum (laughs) or a pen and... That's going to have happened. The fact that you can even conceptualise <laughs> oh, that in your mind is deeply disturbing. It was just because they said the moral of the story is to trust your doctor. <laughs> but then you... Oh, mean, I, trust, I, could, I could have said, yeah, because like, you might walk out, you've stolen your wallet. <laughs> that <laughs> would be a yeah. lot better. Or he gets you to sign something and you realise that you've signed your house over. Yeah, you Mr Smith, before you leave, after I've done your bum examination, <laughs> could you just sign this piece of paper, please? And you think, hmm, I trust him, so I will. <laughs> Next thing you know, two weeks later, rude men are turning up. This isn't your house anymore, Mr. Smith. Why is that? You should have trusted your doctor. <laughs> anyway. Oh, 
God, that's hilarious. Yeah. Do you know what, though? Sometimes I did, when I was younger, I used to kind of, obviously, had too much time to waste thinking about these things. And I think I've had this conversation with you occasionally before, but just that kind of mischief in me where what I want to do is to just go to a doctor's and then sit down and ask them how they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> May I add that Emma is actually very, very mischievous. <laughs> very, very mischievous. <laughs> mischievous to the point of when we first got together, I'd be in the shower having a nice hot shower. Do, 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 do. Hot shower. You know how it is. You're enjoying it. You're just like, oh, steam everywhere and that. Door would fly open, full, as I was just about to get out, full, massive, sort of boiling hot pan, but like on those big pans with two handles. Not boiling! Ice, ice cold, oh yeah, ice cold water. Yes, just hastening to add, I'm not a domestic abuser, it wasn't boiling hot, scalding water. Oh, how we laughed! She'd run in with a knife and stab me three times in the abdomen. No, and she'd just throw like, stuff like throwing huge pans of cold water over you and just... And then, but they're not even in the shower. You'd just be walking around the house, and like, you should just turn up with this big thing of cold water just I know. over you. I you love know? it. An egg on your head. But that's how that's that's how you get the best the best result because you, you can't be expecting it. If you're expecting it, or if you're in a place where you might expect it, then you're going to expect it. Yeah, true. If you're in the house fully clothed, and then somebody just runs up and throws a whole thing of water over you, you're definitely not expecting that because yeah. it's in a house. Well, that's the mischief. Sorry, also, I, I, go on. This is the one. This is the one I'm going to share with you. Is this the time travel? Yeah. (laughs) This is, for me, the funniest thing that I ever did to my not then husband, but is now husband. So I was bored at work one day and I thought, what can I do to make my day funnier? So I decided to get into my husband's email because I knew his passcode and write to him. (laughs) So I did. I wrote to him from the future. (laughs) I wrote, dear Pete, this is you from the future. And I then wrote a list of things that he needed to think about and suggested that on a particular date, he didn't go somewhere because something bad might happen. And I signed it off, Pete. About an hour later, I get a phone call, and it's Pete. And he literally starts to tell me that he's received an email of himself from the future. (laughs) He fully believed that that actually could have happened. That is astounding. Well, you know what? There's time No, 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 don't don't try to get past it. No, no, don't get... That, that is, the fact is, you you literally called me and believed that there was more of a possibility that you had written to yourself from the future than it were me getting in and hacking your thing and doing quite, a joke. I think it's quite, it's quite nice to have a good sense of... Uh, gullibility. Imagine, yeah, a sense of gullibility. Massive gullibility. Imagination, a good imagination, you know. You're great, because it's so good, because there's so many things that I've done. I once told Pete that... <laughs> oh, God, she told me to tell this. See, see what the problem is, with her, I can't understand. Well, I can understand that, but I don't, I can't tell when she's telling the truth or not, right? So we're sat there in our old house in the front room and she starts, and we were talking about uh, inventions and there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a part in in the film Cocktail, I think it is, when yeah. they're talking about um, who invented like the flugel binder and the different things you could invent and how good they are and how much money they make you. She, 
proceeded to tell me that her dad, when he worked for Heinz, because his dad used to work for Heinz, he knew this, this man called Ian or something, or <laughs> Henry or someone like that. And Henry was an inventor. Henry worked for a subsidiary. Is that what you say? A subsidiary? Of Heinz. And these, these other companies that worked alongside Heinz that were owned by Heinz used to invent things. <laughs> so this guy worked for this company, and Don was mates with him, so he was an inventor. Yeah. And he worked for this company, and he invented certain things. He did. And you told me, first of all, he invented <laughs> the pasta scoop, right? So I was like, and I was sat there, and I was like, my God. Emma's dad knows, like, the guy who invented... But because it was owned, he worked for Heinz, the patent was actually to Heinz. And what else did you tell me that The he, hole puncher. The hole puncher. This guy invented the hole puncher, right? And then there was... Stapler. A, a stapler, <laughs> right? He invented the stapler and the thing that he pulls staples out with. What right? was he going to do? One, yeah. may then, as well do the other. All, it was owned by Heinz because, you know, this because he worked for them, so that... And then she, she just turned on and said, and you only had one hand. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was like, this is the best story I've heard. And I was dying to speak to her dad. I said, Don, you know the, this inventor that's invented some of the most, I mean, the pasta scoop was the one that got me. <laughs> no. And like, it was owned by Heinz. And I was like, I can't believe Heinz. That's why, the, you know, not only did they do a bit of beans and everything. No, only they got 57 varieties. Yeah. the guys, the guy's like, he's got one hand. So he sat there with his hands, you know, um, inventing this stuff and like, and the, the poor stuff. It's just how far I can go and I can always go. And, I, and then I, I've got to look at her face to make sure she's not like, got this look on her face, which is light and she's so good at it. I mean, the things, I mean, she does it at least once a week. There's, there's, a, there's a made up story, which... I don't think I threw away. I'm almost starting to think whether I'm real or not at the moment, or I'm actually... <laughs> In some sort of... I'm not even called Emma. You know, what's that <laughs> film with Tom Cruise in? The most, um, Magnolia, not Magnolia. Oh, the one where it's every day he does it again. Yeah. No, no, Look. the one where he... Oh, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky, yeah. I don't know whether I remember one of those things. Yeah, been. I got my, And I'm living in this weird alternate reality, you know. Oh, it's so funny. It's made up. It's Pete loves my dad. Pete and my dad get on really, really well. It's brilliant. Because Pete and my dad are quite similar. <clears throat> so... Bit of a diversion from what we've been talking about. Sorry, it's a very general one today, isn't it? We're just having a natter today. I think the snow has thrown us off. I think it's quite nice, though. It's making sense of a few things. Well, also, today today is the anniversary of my best friend who died. So my best friend died a year ago today, and I was with her right until the end, and I nursed her at the end. And it was a day where I just wanted to do something a bit light because I don't want to think about my loss I want to think about my life so apologies if it seems a little bit less explorative than normal but that would be our reasoning behind it it's nice to mix things up so my father and Pete get on really really well and one of the reasons for that is as I said they reflect each other's behavior quite a lot so when my dad gets stressed you are peeling him off the roof yes and when Pete gets stressed he's further up the roof than my father so together they are an absolute reflection of one another. And they both move very similarly. They're both really energetic. They both get really angry really fast. Like, really angry really fast. You have to tell the story about the football. What was that? 
<laughs> oh my god oh my god yeah that's actually something that demonstrates how far you've come really because you're not really like that anymore you kind of contain yourself yeah. a little bit more you are a bit like that but i can trust you to go places i'd now. like to think that i've grown up yeah so when we first met we got together quite fast and we you know unusually met the kids quite early on i'd never introduced pete anybody to my kids before but Pete and me just clicked and you were moved in within a few months, didn't you? With the children's permission. Absolutely. And we were, we so were married. Sorry. We were married within, you know, a year. So we did it very, very fast, didn't we? We did. Because I, my best friend who I was just talking about, her husband had died. So a bit of a tragedy, really. Her husband had died. And when me and Pete were getting together and I realised, carp DM. Yes. Live for did. now. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about tomorrow. So Pete, very early on with the boys was quite a big influence. You know, you've been a massive influence in our children's lives. You are the dad, as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. And so he does all the daddy things. So you started going to football, didn't you? That was the thing. You got him a football club, started. And my eldest son's a pretty damn good footballer. He's a great defender. Um, Anyway... I like football. I like like to play match. Yes, Pete was a semi-pro footballer, weren't you? That was the correct title. Yes. So he's a very good footballer. So obviously he wanted my children to be good footballers. And Tide went to a football match. And I literally took my mum and dad as well. I don't know why. It was probably the first one they were doing. So we all went to watch. I never went really again. It's really cold. And I just don't enjoy it. And I don't understand the rules either. I'm one of those typical, stereotypical women in that way. So we are in a position where the match is going. And I, obviously, am thinking about priorities. Priorities are coffee, priorities are food, whatever the priority is, I left, didn't I? <clears throat> and then I come back in what seems like moments and it's all kicked off and it's kicked off pretty big style because some kid has hurt another kid and the kid who had been hurt obviously was upset and the parents have kind of started to get involved <clears throat> And this guy was swearing his head off. He was. At the kids. Bear in mind, it was a friendly, and it was the first match he'd ever played. And he, yeah, and was, inverted commas friendly. I mean, the, the, the lad was, it, the fellow was, it wasn't just... He was swearing. It was, it was and, like, the F word, C word, the yeah, you know, to these kids. Yeah. So my mum and dad are working class, but they're those classic working class people who've become middle class with their ideas. So they're quite well-to-do in the way that they act around people. But my father cannot handle any kind of situation like that. He gets really angry. Pete, of course, is somebody who retaliates when anybody kind of does anything to him because it's just his nature. So there's this kind of scrum going on. Pete says, can you please not swear at kids? Kind of makes that comment. The guy grabs you by the throat, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, then, obviously, Pete makes it clear that that was a bad idea, shall we say. And my dad steps in. And recently, he'd watched Taken by Liam Nielsen, (laughs) being the main actor, and he came out with the line to the guy, you want to watch it? This lad's got a certain set of skills. (laughs) And apparently, my mother was being verbally abusive to people because of the particular man's size and his aggressive nature. So the whole of my family had literally got involved in a brawl. First match. Your dad was in the middle of it. I got attacked by another fellow who came from the side. Safe to say, you know. They got banned. They did get banned. They did. He got, yeah, he got a slap like as well. So that was. We're not condoning violence. No, no, no. We are condoning defence. But yes, it was. Uh, it was very, very, yourself. very awful. The, the, the. People so, I'll tell get you what, so the, crazy. The, the, 
The children's football Ugh. is a whole it's horrible microclimate in itself. It's a whole different world. It could actually be a documentary done on it. I think there has been. Has there? Yeah. Because it is, I mean, with hidden cameras and stuff, because it is just the parents, some of the parents. I mean, I went to one in Cheatham Hill. Oh, um, instantly. The ground was, it was on the cricket ground down there when it wasn't playing cricket and it was unbelievable. What a fantastic ground. There was like loads of pitches. And I'll tell you what, there was a guy there and he must have been, he must. He was a proper rum one, you know, he must have been slightly gangster, you know, yeah. like, you know, really big yeah. lad. And he, he just lost it and started threatening everybody. I oh, lot proper, just like offering everyone air out. You know, and he got taken off and you know, he got banned as well. But I mean, that was the worst I've ever seen. It. He was, as if he was going to come up with a bat and start doing everyone in, you know. Like. It's so weird. People get so tense, don't they? But anyway, so Pete and my dad are very similar to each other. And it's strange because I've always said, I, I am somebody who kind of really thinks about relationships and my mum and dad are my world. They're just awesome people. But my dad... I think I've always kind of been his little girl yeah. and he still relates to me in that way. You know, he still will get into situations where he reminds me that kind of he really loves me and I'm like special and I've done really well in his eyes and literally he'd give me a congratulations if I crossed the road. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. But he's um, somebody who also tells stories. You know, he's a great storyteller, isn't he? He's brilliant. But he will sometimes tell the same story maybe 35 to 75 times. And my mum is massively impatient with that. She just can't handle it because she's heard them so many times. You probably multiply them by about 20 times further. So when Pete met him, obviously prime candidate for all the new stories that to him were new and to us were existing. Oh, now don't get me wrong, I listen to every one of those stories with joy because the way I look at it is one day my dad won't be around to tell me those stories anymore. So every single time he tells me the same story, I feel blessed that he's here to tell me, you know, and I really do buy into that whole belief. But Pete, you can tell Pete that story 20 times and Pete's like listening for the first time because you and my dad are so oh, similar. And the classic example is we, we didn't watch Game of Thrones, did we? No. We'd never watched Game of Thrones. And Natalie Emmanuel, who I've worked with, she's in it. So I guess that I got her to tweet, didn't I? Oh, my dad yeah. got a tweet from her and she was so and The thing chilled. is though, we, the next series, we are going to watch Game We are going to watch. Because we've seen my it. My dad got us into it, yeah. didn't he? We got told to go and do it. So, but... When he, we weren't watching it, it really didn't matter. Yeah, because we had Don, and Don would turn up and he'd reenact the entire episode with actions and voices yeah. and in detail to the point where it took longer to listen to my father recounting the episode than the entire episode itself. So in the end, we just thought, let's just watch the episode so we actually can say we've watched it. Yeah. And ironically, when we did do that, he still did exactly the same. Yeah. But you are very similar to him. I wonder whether when I look at my first marriage, although it was perfectly all right, you know, it was not an acrimonious marriage, it was fine, but we were just mates and we were too young and all of that. And I didn't marry anybody like my dad. And I'm not saying that anybody goes out of their way to marry their father, but there are certain expectations I have of men. So my expectations of men, I mean, to be honest, my expectations of people, they are around things like DIY and 
always adoring the woman, making sure that he treats her in a certain way. They're all very, very sad and stereotypical. And for a feminist, I'm really apologetic about having those particular expectations. But they exist. They're fundamentally hardwired because of my experience with my dad. And you are very much like that. And your mm. energy is very much like my father. Yeah. And you do get really stressed like my dad, but it's familiar. So it kind of isn't something that massively affects me anymore, although you've reduced that quite significantly. Yeah, well, I'll kill myself with a heart attack if I don't. Like your dad could have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah but yeah, I mean, I, your dad's brilliant because um, because of like the sort of the Netflix and the Now TV stuff, it's on demand and it's there. I've got to hand it to them, you know, the, the, the oh, Now TV, yeah. especially Netflix. Yeah. They're bringing out some absolutely brilliant stuff to watch. I mean... I'm on Netflix. I've got... Yeah, you are. I am. Britain's yeah. Darkest Taboos. You are on first Netflix. three series. Yes, so I'll get it watched. The um, there's one on Netflix that I got your dad into lately. Frontier. Frontier, <laughs> and it's got is it um, Thingy Memoir in it? Oh, the uh, massive Hawaiian guy. Is he white? Married to um, yeah. oh the gorgeous. Oh, I know his second name's Memoir. Um, yeah, Jason. Jason Memoir. Yeah. yeah, and he's he plays um, in this 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 Frontier, and I knew your dad would like it. See, I watched it every time I was having dinner. So I sit down and watch like sort of 15 minutes at a time. And before you know it, oh, we've got once you watch most of them, you know. And, and then we looked, Dawn, Emma's dad, has one of my devices to watch on my Netflix because you have like five devices. So the same with my now TV, he's allowed to, I'll give him one so he can watch it. And literally, he's, he's set his, his own little Don area. <laughs> and I've gone on there and he's talking to me the other day. He'd literally been watching it a week, this frontier. And, he's in, and he started going on about like the, the like last two in the in second series and I'm like Don have you have you watched the first series Don have you just gone on to the second series and he went no yeah yeah I've, 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 I've watched them all <laughs> he said and, and, his, and Emma's mum turned on and was like he sits there with his iPad just watching it and he said and he's just and he said he can't believe some Do of the stuff you know what my mum is such a bugger my mum is such a bugger they've got Two TVs, right? One's got that on and one hasn't. All my mum does is watch bloody reruns of Judy. 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 Literally re reruns and reruns. And it goes on about how many facial lifts she's apparently had. Apparently she's gone too far. I don't know. I think she looks all right, to be honest. Yeah. Every time I walk in that house, Judge Judy is on. My dad, who would like to sit and watch it on a normal TV, is ostracised and rejected to the other room where he has to watch it on a tiny little iPad. Yeah. God, that's why I'm who I am. Maybe we need to get your dad one of those massive iPads. Oh, yeah. You know, the big so ones. So it's, yeah. Oh, that'd be really good, actually. We should definitely do that. It's probably not that. something we should discuss on the on the actual podcast, but he's let's not, He's not, he's not listening to it. <laughs> Although they do listen and watch it all the time, but he won't. No, I just him. meant that probably people yeah. don't need to think about our selection of what we're going to get my dad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started going like just just sitting here chatting about you know what we're we gonna get your mum for Christmas oh. a group on break a group on break yeah yeah a anyway. weekend away somewhere yeah. Roly Manor that tends to be the one yeah you you'd be a good actress in these in any of those Netflix stuff you'd be good in stuff like that I think the only acting I'd really have liked to have done would be theatre. I like immediacy. I really wouldn't like films no. because I think that no, it's also stop start and it's not actually character. You're not in it like that, are you? I think that anything where you can empathise with a character really effectively mm. and you can kind of live in that character for a good few hours because you're actually portraying it. Yeah, I mean, you you you're a really good actress. You'd be a, you you definitely if you went into acting, 
even now, but when you were younger, and I think you'd have you'd have been in films and stuff. I think well, I, don't I think know. you'd know. I think you know that you know mm. that you could you could take on a role and become that role. And it's not that though. That Women all the time in the media, when it comes down to acting roles, have to take the clothes off, and that would never have been something I'd have done. Yeah, there is well, absolutely no way. I just would. Never times have done are changing it. now. You see, so. But they wouldn't now have was changed, time for they? you to get into acting. Oh, sweetheart, now I'm far too old to make them get my clothes off. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could, they, they wouldn't, I'd have to pay them. Seriously, not a chance. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, it's definitely agree. gone west and we're all okay with that. I don't agree. No, I know you don't agree, but then you've been, you know, heavily drugged for the last six years without <laughs> knowing, so that's the way it's worked out. But, you know, that thing about acting is, yeah, I think that it sounds like a really romantic experience and stuff. Oh, I'd never have coped. Could you imagine how I'd have been with my attitudes towards a lot of famous people? Could <laughs> yeah. you imagine? I'd have been the least popular person in the world. It would have been terrible. Yeah. Or worse, I might have become like that. Well, you'd have been great because you wouldn't have wanted a trailer. All you'd have wanted was your vegetarian grub, that's it. I'd have liked to have sang. That's yes, for people that don't know, and she will deny it, Emma is an absolutely brilliant singer. I'm not a brilliant singer. She has the most wonderful and most beautiful I have a particular type original of voice. voice. I have a particular type of voice. It's but a yeah. brilliant voice. I would have liked to sing. I would really like to have sung. Yeah, but me and my brother used to do our kind of music, so my brother's a really great guitarist. Like he would never admit that, but he's amazing. He he's good. really good at like putting melodies together. Like he's not like some kind of twelve string of fanatical guitarist but he's brilliant he's really good with melody and when I was a kid bear in mind you know my brother started playing the guitar when he self-taught when he was you know 13 and we started started writing songs together now I just I, I don't blame my parents for this I do actually I do I wholly blame them for it what am I on about it's completely their fault if you're listening mum and dad this is your fault but I'm like a really positive parent. You know, you get all that stuff in the press about don't praise your kids too much because it'll create entitled children who don't understand that they've got to work for things. Mm -hmm. I think that's bollocks, right? Bollocks. Because my kids are brilliant examples of children who are praised all the time because actually most of the things that they do, including breathing, I find quite incredible just yeah. because they're like little ones of me. And I've brought up boys and I think I've done quite a good job, you know, they're obviously with your help. But my parents, when I was growing up, just didn't seem interested in our music. Now, bear in mind, if my boys had got together, played guitar, one of them had written melodies and songs, put them together and yeah. performed them, I'd have been like, even if they'd sounded like drowning cats, I'd have just been so into the fact that they'd tried. Me and my brother would occasionally go downstairs and be like, mum, 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 dad, dad, we just listened to this tune. You know, you're taking a risk when you put yourself out there, right? We would start the tune and my parents would start just talking to each other during the performance, just talking over us. Like, what kind of scenario <laughs> plays out like that? Just, oh, it's just them playing it. And we never got past it. I always say legends in our living room because yeah. of the fact that we've only ever performed for people that we know because it's too risky. Yeah, I, because I, our no. experiences, the nearest and dearest people who loved us <clears throat> and were meant to reinforce our worth simply found us a bit of annoyance who they just talked over. That's the truth. I found... Well, the first Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Dad. The first time I, when Ash came round, and I, I didn't know what to make of it, really, because she was, Ash is coming round to play the guitar and I have a sing. And I was thinking, oh, what? Could be really embarrassing. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, that first time I heard you open your mouth and sing with Ash on the guitar, it was absolutely mesmerising. You have a voice which is, it's like... Odd. 
No, it's like a cross between like Nora Jones and like a folk, it's like a folk singing Nora Jones. You've got this real beautiful tone to your voice and I wish that we could lay stuff down in the studio so people could hear it. Aww. I'm telling you, if you went on the X Factor, they'd, ask, they'd snap you up straight away and they'd be like, Emma Kenny of TV. If I went the on the X Factor, I wouldn't get past the initial round to even get to the bit of TV. Oh, Britain's got talent then, so you could do like a double act. You could be like that one it, where a disabled yeah, doing Yeah, that's it. never going to happen, ever. Oh, was that, there was one like where there was one in a wheelchair? No, there was one, or blind or something like that. There was a brother and sister and they sang together and I think one was, oh no, that's the Peter Kay thing, isn't it? You're just making stuff up yeah. now about... Yeah, we've had one hand. We've got blindness <laughs> now. I don't know where we're going with no, it. No, Peter Kay did like a, a, a spoof, didn't he? Of the, yeah, I know. That's yeah. a bit weird. It was a bit weird. I didn't Do you know, it, it was weird. a bit weird. Yeah. It was Cause a it wasn't little, little bit humiliating. Well, in, uh, yeah, it was really odd. Yeah, wasn't a fan of that, but, you know. Although, you know, in saying that, he is an unbelievable comic. He is. An he is unbelievable very comic. Very funny. We yeah. went to see Jim Jeffries not so long ago, didn't we? Yeah. We're like massive fans of Jim Jeffries. I like Jim Jeffries. He's, he's absolutely awesome. But it's something to take away when you watch somebody that you pretty much have an iconic like for. You know, yeah. he's so clever, so quick, so witty, creative, hilarious. But... It was his last show, wasn't it, of his he'd tour? He got trolled, trounced beyond trounced. Yeah, he was... Proper gone. He couldn't string a sentence together. We actually left early because at that point he was stood on somebody's knees looking into the audience. Just having a chat, wasn't he? Talking crap. Don't get me wrong. It was still funny, but it was a bit embarrassing. Do you know what it was as well? And I walked out and I said to you, didn't I? I can't watch people in their pain. Yeah. I just can't. And if you're an alcoholic, you... That was definitely an issue with alcohol, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, if you are going to get that trounced during a live performance in front of thousands of people yeah. who paid to come and see you, I would have you, waited till the end of the gig, to be fair. But know? that's I mean, if it what I'm saying. Yeah. You haven't got control. So for me, being there and watching that, I, I wasn't finding it funny. Like I was in pain yeah, for him. I wanted to, become... to go, Jim, you know, we, we need to get you some help. Yeah. That was how I felt. And I'm not saying he's an alcoholic, but I know he had alcohol problems, but the fact that he had alcohol problems and then he kind of gave up and became completely without alcohol and like he was just at the top of his game and now he's kind of gone back to that and watching him in that yeah. performance, it, it felt was like, like wow. the, It felt like it was because it was his last leg of his tour, his last show. I think he was just... He let it loose. He just let it loose. And it I didn't think, help but the it, first it, drink he got off no, the audience no. was a triple Jack Daniels. Yeah, you see, that's what... I think that's what... That's kind of That's what changed out. the vibe, you see. Yeah. There was a guy in the audience in the front row and he took his drink off him. Just and having just a laugh, downed it, didn't And downed it, it and not realising it was a triple JD. Yeah. And then he went back and came back again and then grabbed it again and downed it again. Yeah. So in a matter of like 20 minutes, he'd had two triple JDs and cooked. Now, two triple JDs and Cokes are not small drinks, you know. It's oh, no, like, no. bam, down. And he'd yeah. already drank two pints of something. So that can sort of really take you over. I mean, he'd had a drink beforehand as well. So for somebody, even like somebody who's accustomed to drinking quite a lot, it was it were big drinks because they were expensive in there. So they were big drinks. And that's you could see the vibe change after he drank them. Yeah, I'm not a big drinker. I I like wine, I like a glass of wine, but I definitely, definitely have that ability to go from where Jim was prior to where Jim was after in moments and have been known to do that. It takes me a while to get to that, but once you you are a Trojan, I would be 
unconscious and having my stomach pumped if I could drink like you. You just can keep going. I know you don't. You're not a drinker now, really, at no, all. And, no. and even then, it was never an issue for you. But me, I am. She has one shot of vodka too much. She won't remember anything. Yeah. I have to be... That's why I don't drink when I'm out. I've done it once yeah. with you, and we know what happened. Yeah. It was not a happy end. It was not a happy... I don't remember it. <laughs> but apparently, for other people, it was not a happy ending. And that's all I need to know about my drinking behavior. To the point where, when I woke up in the hotel without a hangover, thinking, that was a good night. But then, don't really remember how I got back here. It turns out I was taken back, <laughs> escorted, shall we say, by a couple of people, and left in my bed. And I woke up with you, and I said, why am I here? And you went... Oh, you were, you got a bit wasted. And <laughs> yeah. I went, did I embarrass myself? And you went, no, no, you didn't. And I went, right, don't tell me anything though. Don't, don't want to know anything about it. Anything about it. And then my brother, who was the person who had to escort me back to that particular place, he piece by piece unraveled exactly what I'd done and how I'd been and would not let me escape that. Now I think... If the brain has chosen to black out yeah. such memories, it's for good reason. Don't argue with the brain. I mean, ideally, never get in that state. I've been in that state once in my entire life. That is literally the only time I've ever been drunk like that. Yeah. And I will never be drunk like that again. Not because I had a bad experience, I don't remember it, but because my brother has shown me how I am in those situations. Thanks, Ash. Thanks for that. I mean, it is, uh, you know, it's what, you know, down in uh, most of a bottle of Grey Goose. It was <laughs> not. It was not most of a bottle of Grey Goose. I thought you were very loving and you were very nice. It was very nice. I am a nice drunk most yes. of the time. I'm not a drunk very often, but I'm a nice one most of the time. Very occasionally, I'm nasty, like most people are. But that just takes on... bottles of wine and tequila, yeah. which nobody should do. And it's just a disclaimer here. If you're ever thinking about mixing drinks, I can absolutely yeah. quantify that tequila, red wine, and white wine are a terrible mix. Definitely. That's all my best friend Pam's fault, who's no longer with us. I blame her entirely for that particular situation. I think she'd take the blame if she was still alive. She would just laugh at me and yeah. say that it was my fault. Yeah. Are you joking me? She would not care. Well, I suppose that's the end of yet another making sense of it. I don't feel like we've made any sense of anything today. You know what? This episode, episode eight, has just been a nice Episode chat. eight has been my escape. Yes. Today has been a very, very sad day for me. And I miss my best friend. And I used to talk a lot of crap with her. So I thought I'd just do the same with you guys. So you can all be my Pam for the day. Wonderful. <laughs> Join us next time for another brilliant episode of something with Making Sense of It. We don't quite know yet. We might have got a guest. Maybe somebody's stranded somewhere and we can just drag them in from their snow-laden selves and introduce them to our warm and cosy animal-filled kitchen. Who knows? We will be getting some guests. We're getting True Geordie on who's absolutely adorable. Absolutely He's going to come down and meet us. We've got somebody who's um, a pro-legalisation of drugs coming soon. Um, but obviously, as the, as the weather's so terrible, we can't promise it's going to be in the next week or so. Take care, be safe, be nice to each other. Mm -hmm.